Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our live stream this morning with Gospel Community Church. I want to welcome everyone that calls GCC their home and family, but also anyone that's tuning in and watching our live stream. So if this is your first time tuning in to, uh, to Gospel Community want to say welcome. We're honored to have you as our guest. Our church's mission statement is to make Jesus the hero. That's something that we uh, strive to do, not just on Sunday mornings, but in all of life. Um, that's our mission. That's our goal is to exalt and make much of Jesus. And so we believe that he is the only one that can sustain uh, the sheer weight of, of placing all of our hope into. And so we want to make him the hero. And so that's our aim and goal this morning. But like I said, that's what we exist for as a church and what we want to equip our people to do in all of life. And so uh, just uh, before we dive back into our series this morning on uh, saints and society, where we're going to be looking at marriage, sex, and singleness, I want to say this, that uh, this morning we are continuing on in sex and so if you are watching with your children right now and you're not yet ready to have those conversations with them then maybe uh turn off now and then you can come back and watch the live stream later because we are going to be finishing up with our uh, topic of sex today and the next week we'll be moving into singleness in chapter 7 of first corinthians so you can start turning uh, with me there to first corinthians chapter 7 but before we do that just a couple quick announcements there's been some questions now with uh, phase one opening up in oregon well, with what's going to happen with the church and and, and some of those details just let me be brief in, in saying this is that our gospel communities are free to now meet uh in in person uh while honoring the um six foot distancing rules and so we can do that but the reality is we only have a couple weeks left for our gospel communities to meet because we take the summers off um, also, uh, our church is uh, too large uh, to meet, um, obviously with 25 people, and so uh, the reality is we're going to be doing live stream uh, for at least um, some time in the future. So um, please stay tuned for more details. We'll have more details um, as things move along, but just wanted to say that first. Also, want to say that if you're wanting to get plugged into community, that we have gospel communities, we would love to get you plugged in. Um, please feel free to contact us, send us a message online, and we will do our best to get you plugged into gospel communities, even during this uh, time. Also, um, we know that uh, giving can be a touchy subject for those that are uh, financially strained right now. So we want to say that if that's you, then, then please don't feel any weight or guilt that you need to give. But we do want to say that if you are able to, um, we are asking you to continue to help support us as a church, keep the gospel moving forward um, here in Lane County, but also just wherever we're streaming to. And one of the things that we're doing on our website right now is we have a, a benevolence uh, COVID-19 tab that you can click on, and 100% of those funds actually go towards helping people um, that are in just a, a tough situation, small businesses and everything like that. So that's one way that you can help. There's three different ways that you can actually give. You can give to the Church Center app. So if you're someone that gives um, cash or checks, then make sure that, uh, um, that you download the app because that's the easiest way to do that. Another way to give is online. If you go to the Give tab, you can give online. That's gccg.com. Org. And lastly, we have a post office box for people that still like to write checks. It's post office box 41864 Eugene, Oregon 97404. And so you can make checks payable to GCC. So that's that. We've been doing one minute memes. And the reason we do one minute memes is even as uh, Martin Luther saw uh, laughter as a form of medicine with uh, everything that he was going through in the Reformation, but also with the Black Plague, uh, we also see that uh, laughter is a form of medicine that God has given us. And so we're we're just going to take a moment like we've been doing to look at some uh, memes and uh, yeah, just have some laughter. So are we, are we, are we live and rolling? Everything good? 
I'm just a huge echo. All right. So, let me say this real quick. We are live. We are not we are live, live experts, experts. And, so and so we are doing, doing our best, best with technology. technology. And so and if so you're tuning, tuning in right now, we've, we've been, been informed there's an echo. And so just know that, uh, that we're yeah, doing we're our best to work out any kinks and anything like that that might be going in. But I don't know what's going on on the back end. I just know that I'm going to keep preaching and teaching and trust that it's being recorded. You guys are hearing. And if you can't hear it now, then what we would encourage you to do is just go back and listen to it later. So with that, here's some memes that we have that we're going to walk through. So. Turn off your mic and turn it back on. Yeah. yeah. Give me Give one sec, guys. I'm going to turn, turn off my mic and turn it back, back on. All right. Okay, we are going to roll through some memes that we have. The first one is, it is a uh, just a bunch of different pictures of people and how everyone's responding differently to the coronavirus. Uh, my favorite are... Uh, um, the employers and people that have vacations plan on the very bottom left and, and bottom right. Next we have this lovely couple that just got back from their Caribbean cruise uh, during COVID and we can see where they uh, got their sunburns at on their face. Next, if anyone is struggling to find a mask, apparently Dick's Sporting Goods has a plethora of masks available as we can see. On the screen there, this gentleman has found a way to, uh, to create his own mask. Here we have Chris Farley saying, this is what it's like whenever you're working from home and your boss messages you asking if you can join for a, a Skype or Zoom meeting. Next, I love this guy and this meme. It says, uh, people don't even bless you anymore. They just look at you like this whenever you sneeze. Look. <clears throat> Next, we have classic Lord of the Rings holding a roll of toilet paper saying, my precious. And last but not least, my favorite, we have this lovely couple here that has found a way to take some uh, resources uh, from around the house and create their own COVID mask. And so it's a two for one. Maybe give this a shot at Costco now since Costco requires you to wear a mask. So that's it. That's our minute memes before we dive into the word this morning. So we're going to continue on in our series titled uh, Saints and Society and the letter to the Corinthians. So the first letter to the Corinthians that Paul wrote. After spending 18 months in Corinth, he received word of some things that were going on inside of the church and he writes to them and he writes to the church in Corinth and he calls them saints. Saints actually means holy one or set apart. And so he addresses them with this as their identity. So their identity is a holy one or set apart. And then he says, this is what it looks like to live out of this identity identity that you've received by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And so the reality is, is there was a lot of cultural influence going on inside of Corinth. And so Paul was saying, look, this is who you are. You are holy and you are set apart. You are a saint. God has made you that by grace. Now live out of that and live into society out of this new identity. And so that's what he's dressing in the first four chapters. He addressed the unity and what it looks like for the saints to have unity. And then he looked at what it looked like for the saints to, uh, to have morality inside of their culture. There was a, a phrase or a saying that was basically uh, uh, known as don't be like a Corinthian or don't act like a Corinthian. And so there was just a bad reputation that Corinth had. And so he was telling them to be set apart and, and act set apart since God has made you set apart. And 
this week where we pick up in 1 Corinthians 7, the chapter is looking at marriage, sex, and singleness. And so that's where we pick up today, and that's what we will dive into. So let me pray for us as we dive in to God's word today. Father, we thank you for our time together. Um, even uh, amidst tech, uh, technical difficulties and all that's going on, what we pray is this. Father, you would be glorified. That Jesus, you would be exalted. That you would be made the hero. Um, through um, imperfections, through, uh, through whatever happens today, let us trust in you. We do pray on, on a topic as sensitive as sex that you would um, let our hearts be receptive. Let our hearts be open. We pray that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that, that every man and woman that hears this today walks away with a greater understanding of our need for grace, but a greater understanding of how much you've supplied your grace, your grace that's infinite, how you have covered us, cleansed us, clothed us in your righteousness, Jesus. Let every man and woman walk away today with a greater understanding, not in, 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 in the guilt we are left to bear, but in the fact that you bore our guilt for us on Calvary, Jesus, and that we are blameless before you. Holy Spirit, minister to us. Speak uh, to us today. Speak through me today. We declare our need and dependence upon you. Father, be glorified. Strengthen the saints. Um, for those tuning in today that, that aren't uh, um, uh, believers, that don't believe the message, that don't believe the uh, Bible, God, I thank you that they're joining us today. And we pray that you would reveal yourself to them and speak to them as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Let me read from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We looked at verses 1 through 4 last week. We're just going to be looking at verse 5 today. Verse 5 says this, Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This is God's word and this is Paul addressing the saints in Corinth. What was happening in regard to sex is there was a lot of cultural influence coming at the saints or to the saints in Corinth. As we looked at last week, there was uh, Platonism that, that, that was influencing them, that was uh, uh, teaching them that sex was dirty and only for procreation, but there was also this Gnostic view of sex that was coming at them that was saying that your body's just physical, it's evil, do whatever you want with it. And so Paul is addressing um, a lot of what's going on in culture. And here's the reality, is whether they knew it or not, the, the saints in Corinth were being heavily influenced by all the culture's view of sex, and they had drifted away from a biblical and Christian view of sex. Same thing for us in the 21st century. It's very easy for us to shift and drift away from a biblical view of sex and from a Christian worldview of sex and into what the culture has, has put on us and influenced us with. Um, uh, from someone who's being a, uh, or from someone who is a fan of country music, uh, there, there's even songs like the song by Chris Young, uh, that, that talks about uh, him being out on a date with his wife. And then basically them not being able to basically restrain themselves. And so he can't wait to get home. They're going to have to cut the date short. And he talks about just getting home and seeing her black dress hit the floor. And, and, and then it's just this passionate love song. And so we, 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 we hear songs like that. We sing songs like that without even realizing that we start to project those things on our marriage, that we're going to be out on date nights with our wives. And all of a sudden that's what's going to happen. They're going to start drawing hearts on our hands and just want to just skip meal and skip dinner and get home at, at every cost. And we realize that's just not a reality. It's a pressure that culture puts on marriage. Even, even romantic comedies like 50 First Dates where we see this guy who is every day, day after day, pursuing his wife 
who, who has forgotten her past because of a car accident that she's been in. And, and we see this like deep level of just patience and perseverance and it's beautiful. But the reality is, is it's not painting a picture of how difficult marriage can be. And, and, and we have movie after movie like this without realizing how much these movies, these songs are influencing our view of sex. And so we need to dress that and get back to a biblical and Christian view of sex. And so the main point today is this is last week we looked at that, that covenant is, uh, is, is, what, uh, is what's needed for safe sex. Today we're looking at this, is that sex is a shield for our marriage. All right, so the main point is that sex is a shield for our marriage, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Speaking of shields, I want to say this. I have a tattoo down my right leg that I'm thankful that none of you will ever uh, have to see. And so it is, uh, it, is, it, it, it is a tattoo that if I want to make my wife laugh when we're laying on the couch, then I will roll up my pants. And I did this recently, and, and I'll say, uh, take a look at this bad boy. Uh, what do you think of this? This thing is so awesome and so legit that I think we should take some pictures of it and post it on the internet because it's too good to not give others the opportunity to be able to copy this tattoo and show it. And so what it was supposed to be and, and what it is, is it's a, it's a shield from the armor of God, but I, it was, it was now, it's now a cover-up of that. And so it's just, it's a bit of a mess. It's like a hollow shield. I just know that it's, it's, it's hideous and it's not anything you would ever want to hide behind. And so uh, what, what, what we have with this is, is this like messed up broken shield. And so as we talk about a shield, we need to understand what Paul has in mind is the importance of a shield. And so the greatest shield we have and what we need for battle is a shield of faith. But also there's these other ways that we can protect our marriage. And what we need to also see is that sex is a shield for our marriage. And so the first way that we see that, if you'll again, turn with me and read with me is 1 Corinthians chapter seven is this. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 5 says this, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. So let's pause there. Do not deprive one another. The word, actual, uh, the word for deprive, the Greek word there actually means to rob, to cheat, or defraud. And so Paul is saying, hey, don't cheat one another, don't rob one another, don't defraud one another except perhaps by a limited amount of time. And so sex is a shield from a purely emotional sex life. And so that's going to be our first point, is that sex is a shield from a purely emotional sex life. And so what I mean by that is that Paul is saying, hey, don't deprive one another, um, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. And he says that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. He says up above this in verse two, he says, but because of the sexual uh, or the temptation to sexual immorality, each woman, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. And so what Paul is saying is don't rob one another, don't deprive one another, don't cheat one another. And here's the reality is that many times when we think about sex or cheating, what we think of is actually, um, I have not committed adultery against my husband or against my wife, but Paul has a much bigger view of that. He's actually saying um, that your body is not your own. He said that previously, that, that my body belongs to you and your body belongs um, to me. And so there's this trading to where we don't see our bodies as our own, but we see our bodies belonging to the other person. But with that, there's the protection of covenant and there's this giving of one another, our, our giving of ourselves to one another. And so Paul is saying that, that what you're actually doing by not engaging in sex and not having sex is you can deprive one another. And the reality is, is why sex is a shield 
from a purely emotional uh, um, uh, life is, is this, is that our culture says this, is that if you feel like doing it, then do it, then do it, or just do you, or do what you feel like doing. And so our culture puts all of its weight into emotions and where we're at emotionally. And so what we do and what can easily be done in marriage is that I don't feel like having sex. I don't feel like engaging. I don't feel like pursuing my, uh, my, my husband or wife. And so I'm not going to do it. And the reality is, is in marriage is we're not always going to feel like loving one another. The warm and the fuzzies go away. The butterflies go away. And so there has to be an act of devotion in sex. There has to be an act of devotion in all areas of our marriage, but also in sex. Otherwise, we will have um, sex as this purely emotional thing where we will only engage into it when we feel like doing it. And the other thing that, that comes with that is, is this purely emotional thing uh, that our culture says is if, if, if he or she isn't doing something to earn sex, then don't do it because they're not doing their part. But, but there's this thing that Paul says, it's the word give. And so we're not called to just wait until someone um, does all of their part. We're not called to wait until they meet all of our needs. We're actually just called to give and move forward with an act of devotion. And so sex is a shield from just this purely emotional sexual relationship. And, and next, what, what we also see though that counters that is that sex is a shield from a purely devotional sexual relationship. And here's what I mean is we don't just engage in sex. And sadly, I've heard people say this, that if they're not going to do something for, uh, uh, for me with the purest of heart or with their whole heart into it, then I don't want them to do it at all. And I think that's a really bad thing for us to tell our spouses because the reality is, is we're just called sometimes to be faithful, even when our emotions aren't there. And oftentimes our emotions aren't there. But what we also don't want is we don't want to, to, uh, to just engage in sex on a purely devotional standpoint. And look at the text with me here. Verse five again, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. What does limited time mean? It is not a quota. You can look up limited all you want and you'll walk away with two other words, which mean time or season. And the reality is, is sometimes what we want is we want scripture to tell us an exact number is we want to hear, this is what you need to do. You need to have sex two or three times a week, or this is your quota, this is your mark, this is what you need to hit. And then what we turn sex into is something that is completely robbed of all emotions, and it's just this purely devotional religious duty and act where we go through the motions and we just check boxes. And so in, in, in all reality, um, the way to go against that is to not put a, a set number on this which God's word does not. Because what we see um, from the beginning in our Bibles is that God's not just wanting us to go through a religious ritual. He's just not wanting a, a, a religious sacrifice. Actually, what God wants with David and what God wants all throughout Israel and what God continues to want from us is our hearts. And the Pharisees just wanted a number. They wanted a quota, something they can hit. So they will say, tell us what we need to do and, and we will make sure that we do that. And in all reality, what that is, is that's trying to control God and keep God in, 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 in our debt and say, look, we've done this for you. We've paid this price. Now what you owe us is you owe us your acceptance, your forgiveness and your love because we've done this for you. And in all reality, we can turn sex into this purely devotional, just checking a box, just going through the motions thing that is heartless without any sort of affections. And, and in a book um, uh, that, that was written, uh, there's this woman that does a survey. It's for women only is the name of the book. But, but, but in this book, the survey says this, is that um, they, they are asking men this question. If you got all the sex you wanted, 
would you be satisfied? And, and the overwhelming response is this, is that what, what men wanted was their wives to actually be engaged in it. And, and so it wasn't or emotion or, or just something that's purely religious, but it's actually a, a heart that is engaging into what they're doing. And we would, we would say we would agree that we don't just want our spouses to just do something over and over again just because they feel like they have to. But what we desire is we desire our spouse's affections. And what God desires is not just a religious duty where we check the box. God desires our heart. And, and he desires a heart that responds in worship because we understand his grace for us. And so in reality, Sex is also a shield from turning into this purely devotional thing where we can actually offer ourselves by giving ourselves in a way that reflects the gospel and reflects God's grace. We can't pay off a debt to God. We can't put him in our control. We can't put him in our debt. And in the same way, uh, what, what we can do is we can accept grace and we can accept the gift that God has given us. And in the same way, what we can do is respond in worship. What we can do in sex is we can actually give our spouses more than just this devotion. We can give our emotions and our affections to our spouse. Matt Chandler, the president of our network of Acts 29, says that in sex, uh, you have more than something just physical. What, what, what you have is, 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 is the intermingling of souls. The, the Hebrew word dode, he says, actually means intermingling. And so what happens in sex is not just this physical act, but it's actually something that's emotional, and it's actually something that's spiritual. And so sex is a shield from, uh, from our sex lives being purely devotional because in sex, when we deprive our spouse of sex and we are depriving them of this emotional and spiritual spiritual connection that we only get through sex. It's this uniting, it's this bonding, it's this intermingling of souls. As Beth through the Q&A, something magical happens, and that uh, magic happens when our souls come together and are intermingled with the one that God has placed us in a covenant marriage with. And so by depriving one another uh, in sex, we don't just deprive physically, but we deprive of this emotional and spir uh, spiritual connection as well. So sex is a shield from uh, um, purely emotional. Um, sex is a shield from purely devotional, where we just check a box and go through uh, a, 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 uh, an act without giving our hearts into it. But last, sex is a shield for delight. And here's what I mean. Let's look at the text again. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for unlimited time. You may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. In what ways can Satan tempt us? The reality is, as we've looked at two things that, the, uh, that, that marriage is a shield from, or that sex is a shield from, it, it, it's, it's a shield from just something purely emotional. It's a, it's a shield from something purely devotional or religious act or going through the motion. But what is sex for? Sex is for the way that we can, it's a shield for us to delight in one another because the reality is, is as we delight in one another, that is a reflection and a picture of the way that God delights in us. And here's the other reality is if we are not delighting in our spouses, then it's very easy for Satan to tempt them and bring along someone that is delighting in them, that is rejoicing in them, that is singing praises over them. And so sex is a shield for delight in our marriages where we can delight over one another. We have some scripture that gives proof to this. Um, first is Proverbs 5.15 says this. It says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. And so what it's saying here is delight in your own well, delight in your own spouse. Proverbs 5, 18 through 19 says this, 
Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. So here we have a picture of God's word calling us to delight in our spouse, to find our delight in one another. Sex is a shield for delight because we begin to delight in one another instead of other people. Also, let's look at this. <clears throat> what, what, what is happening in this next verse uh, comes from the book of uh, Song of Solomon. And so we have their wedding day and we have uh, all this language in Sol- Song of Solomon that's, uh, that's just a bit obscure for us. But what we have is this, it's their wedding night and they enter into, the, into, their, uh, into their wedding night. And we have him doing this. We have him singing praises over his bride. We have him delighting over her. He actually says this um, uh, through, throughout the chapter. He, he's, he praises her neck. He, he, he praises her from head to toe. And then by the end of his praising, his rejoicing and delighting, she says this. She says, awake north wind and come south wind. So exclamation point, blow on my garden. Let its fragrance, uh, that, that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. What's happened? The groom's delight over his bride has made her feel safe. The groom's rejoicing and praise over her physical body has made her feel safe. We, we all, to varying degrees, struggle with body image stuff. And so what we have in this is we have delight as, as a shield for our marriage because we have the man singing praise and delight over his bride. God's intent for us was to be naked and unashamed. And so we have the groom looking at his bride and not just saying, come here, let's do this. Let's rock and roll. He's actually taking his time and rejoicing over her, delighting over her and making her feel safe. And by the end of it, that's what she's saying. She's basically saying, let's rock and roll because he's taken his time to delight and praise over her. In the next chapter uh, in Song of Solomon, we have chapter five. What, is, what happens there is she's actually taking time to delight in him. So, so she's singing praise over him. So we have both husband and wife delighting And that, that, that is a shield for our marriage because we are people that, that long to be delighted in. We are delighters, worshipers, but we also long to be delighted in. And so in this, what we have is sex is a shield for our marriage. It's a shield from the enemy's lies of telling us that uh, he doesn't like your body. He will never like your body. You're not good enough. It, it, it is a, it, it's a shield of delight for our husbands and for our wives to give praise and rejoice and delight in one another, to make one another feel safe in the covenant of marriage, to sing praise over one another. This is a picture of what God does for us. And so this is a shield for our marriage. It is a shield in so many ways, but it is a shield that, that, that we are able to delight in our bride and in our groom and offer that inside of our marriage. But here's the reality. We take communion when we meet together every week as, as, as a sacrament of a church. What we do with communion is it's this, it's this continual reminder week after week of a sacrament of where our faith ultimately, ultimately lies. Our greatest shield that we have is the shield of faith. Not in our works, not in our efforts, but of faith in Jesus Christ. So we take communion to remember what Christ has done. We take communion to celebrate what Christ has done. And so that's what we do. We celebrate, we remember that our ultimate shield of faith is in Christ, broken body and shed blood. In the same way, sex is a shield for our marriage because it's something that we do continually. 
it's something that, 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 that we continue to act in. It's something we put our devotion before our emotion in, but it's also not something that is just completely devoid of emotion. It's also something that we rejoice in and that we sing praise in, that we delight in. But here's the reality, is that all of us, all of us, have robbed our spouses of something that is purely um, um, emotional, or in, in, in other words, what we've done is we've robbed, cheated, and steal our wife our, 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 from our spouses. Some of us have done that through pornography. Some of us have done that through adultery. But what we've done is we've deprived one another of, of something that is, is rightfully theirs. And what we've also done is just offered up to our spouses something that is just going to the motions, that is just, um, uh, um, just religion at its core. What we've also done is not delighted in our spouses as we are called to do, and we've found delight in other things. Again, maybe that's pornography, maybe that's another man or another woman. And so we are all guilty of doing that with our spouses. We have all played the harlot, but ultimately have done that with God. We have cheated him of giving him our fullest delight. We have cheated him and robbed him of giving him a full heart of affection of worship. And we have cheated God from just laying down and living our entire lives for him. And so here's the reality of the gospel. When, 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 when Jesus came to earth, he lived this perfect life. And after his baptism, we see this rejoicing and delighting. God, uh, uh, when Jesus comes out of the water, he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased and, and, and whom is my delight, is in a sense what God is saying. This is, this is the one that God has full delight and is fully pleased with because he's lived a life like this. Jesus lived a life of, of giving God his full heart, his full affections, never a religious ritual in anything he did. He lived a life of finding his fullest delight always in God. He never just sought God out of this purely, I don't, I, I don't have it, my emotions aren't there. He sought God with perfect devotion, with perfect emotion, and he sought God with perfect delight. But here's the reality. When Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't hear the words, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. What he experienced on the cross was the wrath of God. The words uh, um, expressed in, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is not the words of delight and pleasure in the Son, but it's the Son bearing the weight of every way that we've offered God something other than our greatest delight. And so on the cross, Jesus didn't hear those words, this is my Son with whom I'm well pleased, so that we can always, always have the assurance that God's words to us through faith in Jesus are, this is my son, this is my daughter with whom I am well pleased. What we have is what Zephaniah 3.17 says is this. You need to hear this, please. Is that, it says this, Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. Other translations say, um, delight again. And so God sings praises over us. He sings delight over us. There's never a moment in the day, listen, when our lives are not hidden in Christ and, and God in Christ is delighting over us, singing over us, singing praises over us. And so the greatest shield we have is a shield of faith. We're, we're not exposed at all. Every part of our lives, our every fault and failure, successes, whatever is all hidden in Christ. And so there's not a part of us that's exposed. Every aspect of Christ's life has been given to us. He, he, he gave us uh, the, the, the full measure of his righteousness, the full measure of, of, of his perfection, but he's clothed us in all of that. He's taken our imperfections. And so the greatest shield we have is that. And here's the reality. If you, if you get married and, and uh, your spouse sings delight over you constantly, that delight that your spouse has will never actually be enough delight. The greatest delight that we need to find is God's delight that he has and finds in us and sings over us in Christ. Our delight that we have in one another is just merely a response out of God's delight in us. 
And, and, and also, you might have a great body, but the reality is, is you will continue to struggle feeling empty until you understand your creator's delight in his rejoicing over you. And the more that we understand God's delight in us and that our identity is in the fact that we are delighted in, in Christ, then the more safe that we will, uh, it'll be for us to engage in sex. We can be naked and unashamed. I said this last week, I'll say it again, that that the, the only thing more vulnerable than sex is the gospel because God doesn't just see our physical nature like our spouses do. Actually, God, God sees everything. It, it's all peeled back. He sees the heart. He sees the motives. He sees our sin. He sees our selfishness. We are fully exposed, fully naked before the God of the universe. And what do we do? He doesn't say clean up. He doesn't say get your act together. He doesn't say fix this. What he says is I will take you as you are, cleanse you, cover you, and make you blameless. I do all of that. The reason it's so vulnerable for us is we want so badly to contribute something, to give something to God, and God says, nope, it's my grace. I take you as you are. I cleanse you, I wash you, I purify you, all in my son Jesus, and I make you pure, pure as snow. I do that. The most vulnerable thing you can do is cast yourself into that promise and trust that Christ has done everything for us. And so we understand this, that, that sex is the shield for our marriage, because what ultimately has been done in the gospel is that Christ has done everything for us perfectly. And so now, empowered by the Spirit, we can engage our, our, our husbands and wives in a way that reflects the gospel. We can engage emotionally. We can engage devotionally. And we can also engage with delight because we understand the delight that God has for us in Christ Jesus. I don't want to neglect something in this passage as we wrap up here. I want to say this. As it says here, that, uh, that uh, um, in time, if, if by agreement, a limited amount of time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again. So what's going on there? Is Paul saying this. This is another act of giving. And so if you guys agree on it, which means that obviously you're talking about stuff and you're talking about sex, if you guys agree on it, this is another way that you can serve others. In the same way that sex was given for you guys to serve one another, you can sacrifice that because sex is not your God. You have a greater God who delights in you. And so now what you can do is sacrifice that for a season and for a time. And what you can do is use that time to pray for someone else. And so that's what Paul is saying. And that's um, um, what Paul is addressing there. Let me say this in closing, just some real practical application. I know that sex is, can be a difficult topic. And so I want to say this, is that um, uh, very, very practically, the, one of the best things that you can do with your spouse is you can actually talk about sex. You can talk about hurt and frustrations. Um, you can talk about difficulties. You can talk about all those um, sorts of things with your spouse. But one of the greatest things that you can do with your spouse is remind your spouse of who they are in Christ. There's nothing greater that provides more security, safety, and comfort than for us to know who our identity is in Jesus as we look at engaging into sex. And then also pray for one another. Prayer is powerful and it's a powerful way that, 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 that we can encourage um, one another and that we can serve one another. Um, with that, um, I'm going to invite up Jake and Sarah Clausen for some Q&A. Um, I think the number has been up on the screen. I forgot to make mention that at the beginning, but if you have questions, you can even still text those in now. Uh, so please feel free to text in your questions. Um, and we do have some questions right now that we will address. Um, but for now, I want to welcome up Jake and Sarah Clausen. Jake is the director of Crew, and this is his wife, Sarah. They recently had their first-born uh, baby named Thea, and so she is not with us this morning, but we're 
Stoked to have Jake and Sarah here. So if you have questions, still text them in right now. The number's on the screen, um, but we're going to work through some questions that we have right now. So with that, um, our goal is to work through as many questions as we can and be just clear and quick and concise. Uh, and so we will get started with question number one. All right. Very applicable for Jake and Sarah. How do you not deprive one another... Uh, of sex after you have a baby? Yeah, so um, we have, yeah, we have a, a six-week-old, so this is, we're still figuring this out. Um, I think one thing for us is just, I think on my end, I have to offer stuff a lot because um yeah, it, when I was pregnant, I was really sick, so very rarely did I feel like having sex. Um, and then third trimester, I was really uncomfortable, so still didn't feel like having sex. And then after you have a baby, it's all messed up down there, so <laughs> you can't really have normal sex. So I think, um, <laughs> and I don't know if this is the right answer, but I think for me on the wife side of things is just offering anything that I can, um, even if I don't feel like yeah, I'm totally in the mood right now to have sex with you. Um, I'm just getting creative, I think. Uh, yeah. Jake, is your response amen? Amen. <laughs> Nothing to add. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, next question is, uh, what is a practical first step towards uh, having sex when there's been a lot of bitterness, frustration, and hurt? In other words, um, if, it, if, if a long period of time is, is, has taken place where the couple hasn't had sex and there's a lot of hurt and frustration, what would you guys say is a practical first step? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think this, I just need to acknowledge that this is a sensitive, um, yeah, because I think the, like, uh, levels of hurt could be very extreme, right? Um, and so I want to say this with sensitivity, um, but I think a uh, practical first step that I would um, encourage is, is obviously like uh, navigating and dealing with the emotions first uh, and hurt, like not obviously like jumping straight into sex and going right into the bedroom, but actually, yeah, like working through some of those, uh, yeah, deep uh, pains or frustrations or bitterness that you might be holding up and like talking about those and being open with those first. Um, and then honestly, like, I guess I'll just say, like, you shouldn't go 100 miles an hour right out the gate. You know, it's like, just take it slow um, and take it uh, step by step. And then um, be just really honest and open and communicate. Like, if you're not ready and if you feel like it's just, like, pushing too far too fast, uh, have the freedom amongst each other to be able to communicate that and have a safe place to be able to do that. And so, yeah, I guess taking it slow would kind of be That's what good. I would say um, and, and handle the emotions. But That's good. Uh, next is, uh, I know this question was asked last week about what uh, is permitted uh, in regards to dating, but I'm uh, struggling because I want to know how to honor God and honor the person I'm dating, and everyone has a different opinion. How would you encourage someone to actively honor God in this way whenever they're courting or dating? <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I think you're, they're right. Like um, that, a lot of people do have different opinions, um, and I think every person you asked has like a different like boundary or like uh, guidelines to follow. 
Um, so something I'll say, like if you are a follower of Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Uh, and one of his roles and what he does is actually convicts us of sin. And so uh, the thing I would actually uh, tell people to do first is like separately as a couple individually, like go to God, like and, and pray the Holy Spirit and ask like, where is like our physical boundary? Like what, what do you like say for us. Um, and I think if you're, and I know this has been said, if you're asking like, what can I get away with? That's obviously not, uh, uh, the right question to be asking, but more so like, yeah, what, what does the Bible say about like, uh, protecting um, my my significant other. And one place I'd encourage you to go is in 1 Thessalonians 4. I don't have the exact, I think it's like verse 1 through 7, but it just says, do not wrong, you know, uh, flee sexual temptation, do not wrong your brother or sister in this way. Um, and ask yourself, like, if I go too far um, with my boyfriend or girlfriend, how will that affect their marriage in the future? Um, if they don't end up getting married to me. And I think that that's a pretty significant question um, to be thinking about them um, and not wrong your brother or your sister in that way, Um, as well as like, yeah, just knowing those boundaries and like limiting those. Um, I think most people know them. Uh, They just want to have someone tell them uh, that they can go a little bit further, that there's gray area. That's my personal, yeah. Thumbs up? Cool. How do, well, someone did text in, and I think this one's crucial to address and, and uh, cover, but someone said, how do I become as manly as Jake Clawson? So. Uh, you, you wear the same outfit as Nathan on, um, and that's how you become more manly. Perfect. So uh, that was the plan all along. Perfect. Two, hey, two, two, two question three on, on uh, what's, what's, in a sense, what's honoring to God is I would also say, don't focus on just physical stuff that you can and can't do, but maybe focus on what it looks like to engage in community. Um, because then you're building relationships with, uh, with other people while you're building relationships with one another. And so that removes a lot of the physical nature. And you can also see how people in, in, engage and interact with one another. And so, uh, with that, let, let's jump down to, uh, uh, to a couple more here. Uh, how do you recognize deal with lust in your marriage? Well, I can take that one too. <laughs> um, in, in terms of like recognizing it, uh, I think it's obviously, um, as Rick even just uh, mentioned, um, taking us through the word is like, um, yeah, valuing or like worshiping um, something, something or someone or something other than God, but also like something more than Sarah. Um, and I think that that's how I recognize like lust is like being an idol. Um, or like being something that I struggle with is like, yeah, knowing that I look to something to fulfill like my own personal like desires, I guess, more so than Sarah. Um, And I think that that's just what I choose to look at with my eyes. It's what I choose to like let my emotions um, engage with and interact with um, and letting, yeah, that kind of like take over and in effect like, yeah, our marriage. And so I think that um, hopefully that answers the question is like, yeah, and as far as like dealing with it, um, I would just encourage people to be open about it um, because everything in us and the enemy wants uh, that to just be a secret and to be isolated and to be locked away. Um, and the hardest thing you're going to have to do probably if, if you're in this situation is tell your spouse or your significant other that you are struggling with it because it's hard to do. But as soon as you open that door, it, like, it, it, it allows for grace, it allows for the gospel to enter into that. Cool. Yeah. This question just came in. Is it okay to ask for help outside your marriage to bridge gaps 
that you and your spouse have had trouble overcoming alone? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I know for Jake and I, like there have been things in sex, but even just in marriage stuff where it's like we get stuck and we have it's like you can only see so much. And so I think it's been really helpful to be able to talk to friends or people who are older than us farther down the road just to get some perspective or wisdom or counsel. And even like Rick was saying, like having community where you're able to. Yeah, it's like talk to other people about what's going on is helpful. And I, I think there's like probably some caution in there of like, I'm not just going to all my girlfriends and complaining about everything bad that That's Jake good. does. But um, I think there is a, a healthy way to invite other people in and be like, hey, ha do you have any thoughts on how to get over this barrier or whatever? And even like professional counseling is super helpful too. So. I would say yes. Let's do one more because I think this was a, is, is really helpful for people. And then we'll wrap up with this one is number. Uh, let's see. The last one here says, I'm not comfortable with my body image and don't want to be naked with my spouse or give them the opportunity to delight over me. What input can you offer? Jake? No, I'm, not, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Whoever wants to tackle that one. Yeah, I think. So I, I struggled with this, still sometimes struggle with this. Um, and there was a season where it was like, yeah, I, I didn't like the way I looked. And so it was really hard to believe Jake when he would tell me that he liked the way I looked. Mm. Um, and so I think I was just caught in this like, yeah, like web of lies that I couldn't see out of. Um, and yeah, so the input I had, it was, it's rough, I think, and it's really hard to, like, force yourself to believe something. Um, and so even, I think, with Jake and even my relationship with God, I think a lot of times I've had to, like, ask God to help me believe something is true. Um, so whether that's, like, hey, will you help me believe what Jake says about me and help that to sink in? Or even, like, hey, will you help me believe what you say about me, like, that you delighted me and all that kind of stuff. Like, sometimes that's hard for me to believe. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think in that season of life, a lot of times it just felt like I, I can't force myself to, like, change what I'm believing is true, so I need help. I need you to change what I think. Um, and that took time. So that's my only input, I think. Good. Yeah, I think if I could just add anything on that, um, yeah, even just like if you're a husband and your wife is yeah, struggling to believe that, like Sarah said, I think I found um, like saying things often um, and like complimenting and notice things and saying them out loud often, um, I think is just a really good yeah, way to love and serve your wife is thinking it. Cause I think as guys, like we, we are thinking it, we just don't say it out loud. Um, and so I would even just encourage and then, uh, yeah, without getting too crazy, just be specific. You know what I mean? Like saying you look good doesn't necessarily speak something emotional to Sarah. It's like, what, what about her? Like looks good. Mm, and I'm not going to do that right now, but I think I would just, uh, encourage, like be specific. Like what parts, what parts of her body? Like, do you enjoy, like what, what, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you find like attractive and beautiful? And, and I think that that helps too of mm. rather than just saying you're like 
saying you're beautiful is great, but you know what I mean? As far as like uh, body image, I think just like being specific and saying it often um, and, and genuinely, yeah, I think helps in that too. Cool. All right. My prayer for us is this, um, and for those listening in, that our greatest delight is not in our delight in God, even, but our greatest delight is that in God's delight in us, and through his delight in us, that we have an increase and even greater delight in him. And so um, my prayer is that uh, if, if you need help, need community, which we all do, that you would reach out in this time and in this season. Um, but we're going to close in a song called Blameless, and as God sings and just sings praises of delight over us in Christ, please listen to the lyrics of this song because it is, it is that. These truths are, are true about us that God has declared over us in Christ. So um, I'll have uh, Jake wrap us up in prayer, and then we will uh, close with this last song. Yeah, Father, thank you um, Yeah, for this morning. Thanks for technology and a way to worship you, hear from your word, um, even just as we're scattered about Eugene and even further than that. Um, so Lord, I just want to praise you uh, that we have a family, even though we might not necessarily all be able to gather face to face, Lord, that we can still all come worship you in unity. And so, Lord, I pray, um, yeah, ultimately, whether we are single, uh, dating, married, uh, been married for a year or 50, Lord, that you would just um, remind us, yeah, that you are our first love. You are the um, the one who... Um, yeah, looks at us and adores us, um, yeah, says we're beautiful, um, and uh, Lord, I just thank you for that because we don't deserve it. So we love you and, and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.